You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. The focal passage today is found in the book of John. So if you're looking there, John 4, 19 through 26. I'll give you a second to get there. It'll also be on the screens. John 4, 19 through 26, and it says this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is God's word. You can have a seat now. Good morning. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here, and I am super pumped. So you're here. We get to open up this book, and we get to dive in and, and figure out what it looks like uh, to worship a God who is everywhere for all time. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for your goodness and your grace and, and the gift of the people in this room. That you draw us to yourself. That you desire to be known, even though, as we've seen, you are incomprehensible. There is none like you in your greatness. You are everywhere. God, we need you today, and we know that, that you're not only everywhere, you are here with us, and you are inside all who call upon your name by the work of Jesus. Would you let us see you today in light of your greatness? Would you let us see who we are? And would you let us cling to the grace that you offer through Christ by the power of your spirit today? Would you let us leave built up, equipped for every good work that you have for us? God, we need you here and now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. So God is, is everywhere, and he is every when at the very same time. And, and try as we might, um, we are not. We are not everywhere. Um, I, I hope that's an encouragement to you. And, and I'm going to say that many times in the next few minutes, but, but you are not everywhere, and, and that is okay. I remember watching this movie way back when called A Walk to Remember, and and through the tears, because um, it is a sad, sad movie, uh, there, there's this guy, and, and I won't spoil all the things for you, although it's a very old movie, but um, th this guy's pursuing this girl, and she is terminal, and so she's not going to be around forever, and, and all these things, and, and he finds kind of like her bucket list, and one of the things on her bucket list is for her to be in two places at once, 
and and then you know, it's just you know in, in a, an emotional um, sweet adventure. He takes her out. Uh, I think it's at, at nighttime or whatever, and we're going for a drive. And and he gets out. I think she has a blindfold on, maybe not. And he says, "Okay, stand right here." And he, and he's like, "You did it." And she's like, "Well, you know, what 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 have I done?" And he said, "You're on a state line." You are right now in two places at once. And that's sweet, right? And it gets much sadder from there. But, but, but the point is not lost. Like He took her to a state line. She was technically in two places at once, but, but that's not really what she wanted, I, I don't think. And, and who wouldn't want to be in two places at once? For productivity alone, for me, I'm thinking, gosh, I could enjoy something and, and actually produce something at the same time. That would be fantastic. Or even right now, my daughter's getting ready to play a soccer game in three minutes. And I'm stuck here with you all, right? And so literally, I'm like, I was texting Kim this morning, like, if nothing else, gosh, at least I get to remember that I can't be in two places at once today, you know? And so, uh, but, but the illusion that it's possible is more real today than ever in the history of humanity. And, and that is no joke. The world isn't technically smaller, but man, the world that we live in is smaller than it's ever been. Um, there was a time, uh, actually most of all time, as it relates to humanity and history, where you simply were where you were, period. And not only in a moment, but, but really for most of your life, you just were where you were. And, and you might navigate to a, another village or another town, but, but by and large, you, you were where you were, and, and that was your reality for, for all time, and, and uh, so long as you're on the earth, but, but that is not so in this world that we live in. And uh, a few examples, you know, we can track our, our kids if they have a phone, or we can track a spouse or a friend um, with GPS, and we can figure out where they are, or we can do video calls, uh, and so we can, we can technically have eyes in places that we are not. We can travel around the world in a day. We can beat the, the time zones. We can, we can time travel, technically, Right, and it doesn't quite feel like that, but but we can travel just like so fast and 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 get to different places. Uh, we have a lens on things that are outside of our perspective. Global problems become local problems because we are aware of them right here, right now, immediately. Um, we have information literally at the tip of our fingers, and we have live feeds. Of anything that we want to see, I'm guessing that you could probably watch a giraffe give birth somewhere in the world right now, right? Because there's probably a camera set up in that, and, and we even have eyes through satellites and all kinds of crazy stuff on, on the abyss of galaxies that are beyond our home. And then we have movies like, like The Matrix and, and Ready Player One and, and others that play off of simulation theory and Look, if you don't know anything about this, then, then people talk about this. Super smart people talk about this stuff as, as if it's like, man, with, with AI and artificial intelligence, man, there are like some crazy theories out there. But, but this idea that you can be virtually somewhere in a, way, in a, in a place that seems more real than, than this one, and you can also be in, uh, here in the now. And so there's all kinds of things, even today, you are in this room, the church is gathered in this room, and yet at the same time there are people by God's grace, from your home, watching this gathering on Sunday morning, right? And if it's Tuesday, you missed out, all right? So, so on Sunday morning, all together, and so we gather as a church and in lots of ways, and we can, we can get the sense that we can be many places at one time. feel that way, like, like we can be or we must be 
in more places than one at a given time. You are not. You are, you are not in more places than one at any given time. I hope, I hope that that is rest to your weary soul, that you are in one place, that you are here or you are there, but you are never here and there. Our problem, as it relates to, to trying to understand a God who is in all places at one time, and, and us understanding our limitation is, is that we either overstep our own bounds or we understep God's bounds as if he had any bounds at all. And this is how that would play out. We, we overstep our, our spatial bounds. I'm not saying the word special, but spatial bounds, right? We overstep our spatial bounds. Uh, Jen Wilkins says it this way, a body is a set of limits. A body is a set of limits. Now we can look at that and say, oh gosh, that's, that's bad. I'm, I'm limited. You are indeed limited, and that, that is okay, right? We forget that we are bound to a body, um, and this quality, this boundness is, is the thing that assures us that we are incapable of being physically present in two places at one time, let alone all the places throughout all time. We can't do that. So you have limits, and one of those God-established, God-gifted limits is, is being confined to where you are at any given moment. Paul talks about this in Philippians 1, and he, and he says it like this. He says, uh, he, he's dealing with the desire and the limitation. He says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Which seems to be, it seems that he is honoring his limitation while acknowledging his limitation. This is a good thing. Man, I desire to be with Jesus because, gosh, his glory in all of his glory is so much better than being in any room with all of you. But, gosh, we kind of need each other. So I'll stick around. He could only be in one place at one time. But the other side of this is that we understep God's spatial bounds. And, and in light of this sermon series, we let our minds assign limits to God. So we would say things like, or we would live as if, or we would think in the depths of our mind like he isn't here. I, I know you've thought that. I, I've thought that. He isn't here, or when you look back on something, you think he wasn't there. And so uh, we, we do that for several reasons, and, and all of those reasons have a negative impact. But, but God is not confined. And when we think about this series, he is reflecting on the attributes of God. In this one, omnipresent, God of infinite space, we have to, we have to recognize all of the attributes that we've, that we've looked at up to this point and just make sure that we're understanding these things properly. Wayne Grudem helps us. He says, God is not a collection of attributes added together. Wouldn't it be easy to think that you just, oh, he's, he's this, and he's this, and he's this, and you add them together, and he's, he's omnipotent, and omnipresent, and he's eternal, self-existent, self-sufficient, and he's infinitely wise, and infinitely good, and infinitely loving, and infinitely just, and all these things, and you just add them together, and that's who he is. No. He says, nor are God's attributes adding to his real being. 
It's not like this is God and he's also filling the blank with these attributes. That, that is not true either. Rather, God's whole being includes all of his attributes. He is entirely loving, entirely merciful, entirely just, and so on. Every attribute of God that we find in Scripture, and we can say that every attribute of God also qualifies every other attribute. So it's easy to think as we focus on one that it's just this gets big and all the other, but all the others get smaller. It's not that way. He is all of these things in every category. He has all of the stars, all of the marks, all of the things of all of the attributes that make him who he is. So as it relates to space, space and place and, and taking up uh, residence, God is omnipresent. Now, maybe you've heard the, the term omni in, in some ways, like you could go to the Omni Max and you can watch a movie that, that kind of feels like you are actually in, in the scenes, right? Because it, it's all around you, it, it, it uh, encircles you, or uh, you, you hear the word omni when you're talking to audiophiles that talk about sound and the way that sound, sound moves, and, it, and it's all around you, or, or you can have a an, an omni uh, speaker or a microphone that picks up sound from, from all around. And so when we look at this, it, it just means all around. God is all around. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He is all present. He is the God of no limits. And that's certainly true for his presence. He is the God of infinite place. Now, man, in this series... We have preached, this is the seventh sermon, and they've looked a little different. And, and this one today, man, as much as anything, I want to declare some truths to you. And, and sometimes we, we, we bring you in with story, and sometimes we, we go on journeys. Today, I, I'm declaring some things. And so if you're like a, a note taker, like, man, jot some of these things down, right? Take pictures of, of the, the, the slides that have... Uh, scripture references on them, and look those up later, right? So, so we're not preaching this text in John 10 with a woman at the well. God pulls out some things that really help us understand his character. If you don't know the backstory, he is in Samaria. Jesus is walking because it says, like, uh, he, he must walk this way, which Jesus never had to do. Woman, and, and what's going on in, in John 4 is, is the Samaritans, they're up north, the Jews, they don't really get along with the Samaritans very well. They, the Samaritans are, are Gentiles. That means that they're non-Jews and Jews kind of mixed together. And so they don't have a good uh, rapport with the Jews. Jesus is a Jew. Um, the, the holy city is in Jerusalem. That's where all of the things that you read about in the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, the Jews, they build this thing out in Jerusalem, but Samaria, they actually built their own temple, and they worshiped in their own way, and they used some of the Old Testament, but their stories kind of like didn't really jive, but, but they had their own uh, stories as well. And so that's the backstory when we see Jesus engage her, and, and he says some things, hey woman, can I have some water? And she was like, you, a, a Jew, want water from me, a Samaritan woman? And Jesus is like, hold on, like, right, um. I, I, I'm essentially he, he comes to the point he says if you drink of me you will drink of, of the water and you will never run dry right I, I am eternal I'm the living water all right and then he goes on and they engage about her her married life and he says go home and, and get your husband she says I'm not married and he said I know 
and the woman that you're staying with is not your husband, uh, you've had five others, and she says this, all right? In verse 19, John 4, 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, right? Because you're knowing things about me that you shouldn't know about me. I perceive that you are a prophet. And she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Remember, they're in Samaria. But you say that in the background that I painted out for you, that they each have kind of their, their special place. And this is what Jesus says. He says, uh, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. So he, he kind of does say, first of all, you're, you're wrong. But, but second of all, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and truth. Uh, will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So in this little interaction, we get kind of a window into the nature of God as it relates to space and place. And what Jesus is saying is uh, an ESV study Bible note. If you don't have a study Bible, gosh, I encourage you. This is a good one. There are many good ones, but the ESV study Bible. The little note on this says this. Jesus is inaugurating a new age in which people will not have to travel to a physical temple in one city to worship, but we'll be able to worship God in every place because the Holy Spirit will dwell in them, and therefore God's people everywhere will become the new temple where God dwells. Little side note: What this isn't saying is, gosh, then we don't have to gather as the church anymore, right? Because that's affirmed time and time again. What it is saying is that where you get to worship God is not a, a place built with the hands of man, but it's but it's anywhere because. All who trust Jesus, right? All who, who by grace through faith trust the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus applied to our life that gives us forgiveness of sins and eternal life before God the Father. All of those, the Spirit then dwells inside of us. What does that look like? I, I don't know. But what it tells us is that God is not only near, but... Um, Later on, not, not too much further after this, right? At the end of the Gospels, and, and Jesus interacts. Jesus uh, ascends up into the heaven, but, but before he does that, he tells his people, gosh, I'm leaving, but when I leave, there is one who's better than me He's coming. He's the promised Holy Spirit who is the comforter. He's the one who will be with you. And so this is fulfilled in, in several places, but, but this is just really important. We miss on this. We miss on this fact that, that God is spirit and he is everywhere when we call this the house of God. Like, we're in an old Sears building. You know that, right? For real. Like, this used to be a, a Sears department store. And, and so just when we put the Village Church logo on, on, the, on the door on the way down, it, it doesn't make it any more holy or special. And that's true when you go into uh, older buildings that have been housing God's people for hundreds or even thousands of years and, and stained glass and, and steeples and all the things. Those, man, while they are super cool, 
And there's a lot to love. Even the building right next door to us, so cool and historic. And there, there's lots of value in that. But, but it doesn't mean that God is more present in those places. It means he is present everywhere. And this is good news. God is spirit. And that means that, that God is not made of physical matter. He does not have a material body, but has a, as one says, a more wonderful kind of existence that is everywhere present. God is everywhere. <clears throat> Another example of this, um, in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon is, is, oddly enough, he's dedicating the temple. And, he, and he's praying this prayer and he acknowledges the truth that I just shared with you, even in the Old Testament. And he says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. So he's saying, nothing can contain the presence of God. And this truth can be challenging, but it should bring rest to wearied souls. This is kind of a big idea because God is always present. We can trust him where we are not and we can be present where we are. Right? Because God is always present anywhere and anywhere. We can trust him where we are not and we can be present where we are. So with, with all that swirls around us and, and, and all that, that we take in from here and there and everywhere with, with the swipe of our fingers on phones or, or however we consume information, it helps us rest assured, this, this reality that God is present. And it, it actually, as I've been sifting in this for, for a week, it, it helps us to live present in a way that acknowledges both who God is in his unlimited nature and who we are in our very limited nature because God is present we don't have to be because he is everywhere we don't have to be everywhere so all of this is is the theological truths behind uh, the, the idea that God is omnipresent but practically I, I just want to tease out three ways that this actually changes the way that you live your life all right and the first one is this he is aware of every sin Because God is present, He is aware of every sin, including your own, past, present, and future. A few verses. I'm just going to read through those that are on the screen. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So where are the eyes of the Lord not? Hebrews 4, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, no creature is hidden. No covering that you could put on yourself to cloak yourself. No, no invisibility cloak. Nothing like that from the eyes of the Lord. And, and further, you're not hidden from the one to, to whom we must give account, the one who will judge according to our deeds. Job 28. For he looks to the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. 
Psalm 90. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Jeremiah 18, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. God is aware of every sin. He is aware of, of every motive, of every action that you set that's against him being God. He's not just aware of it, but he's aware of it because he was there when you committed it against him. When, when your sin was but an ember yet to catch flame, he's mindful. Before you ever did anything, when it rages within your heart, in the moment leading to uh, the moment where you forsook him, if only for a minute, He's not only aware, but he is there. What While you're sinning, God is there. When it's active within you, God is there. In the moment immediately after you have sinned, when you process through guilt or shame or rejection or denial, God is there. Not only uh, when you sin, and not only your sin, but when sins have been enacted against you, God is there. And, and that brings about a load of Weight and lots of things, but, but God is a righteous judge. He, he not only knows of your sin, but He's there when you sin. There is no place where God is not present. He's in the room and present, not in temples made with hands, but in, in the people of God who are living temples. There's no space void of Him. No in the Scriptures. And He said, they will come to nothing at my glory. And just as Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord and they covered themselves with, with fig leaves and they hid in the shrubbery, they were found and, and we too are exposed and found. And, and that's heavy, that's heavy stuff. Right? And, and some of us try to deal with that in different ways. Because the depths of some of our sin looks a lot different than, than may, maybe the person to the left or to the right of us. And so some try to hide from this reality by, by just keeping people at bay or, or, they, or eating or entertainment or, or sex or any other thing to forget all of the evil deeds. And some try to reject God and live as, as the scripture teach as a law unto themselves. And so we just reject the idea that, that God has a morality in which he writes on the hearts of man to whom we must give account. We reject those notions. And, and some, some blame others and, and even God for all of the wicked, but, but none can escape. And, and, and some try to just fall in line and hope that, that your best is good enough or rewrite the scriptures to suit your own feelings or your perspective. But God is everywhere all at once, for all time. And if you're like me, that is, that is frightening. It should bring us to feel the weight of, of our sin, and it leads us to, to vigilant desire to, to fight against the sin that wages within and, and to trust the one who is aware and yet 
All of that being so, in Christ, he forgives us anyway. Nothing that you've ever done to rebel against God has been off of his radar, and yet he laid down his life that you might be free. He, he took our sin and he, he cast it as far as the east is to the west. He bore the wrath of God in perfect righteous judgment so that we might be clean, that we might be declared righteous in his sight, not because of anything that we could do in our own hands, but in spite of everything we have done with our hands. And so this idea is not that grace is cheap. It's that grace is very, very costly. It costs Jesus his life. But it's free for us. And it's free for everyone who goes to this Jesus, who is the living water, that if we drink of him, we will, we will never thirst again. He, he pursues his own, and he, and he offers us the grace of godly guilt, which leads to repentance. That's what, that's what Paul says in, uh, to, the, to the Corinthians. He says, there is a type of guilt that is, that is godly guilt, and it's this type that we see all of our sin, and we understand that we are laid bare before the Lord. We understand that he is not running from us, He's running to us that we might repent and believe. And so the way that we talk in, in our house about repentance is, is you, you own your sin, you make it right, and you live changed. It's to understand that, that, that there's no denial, there's no, no blame, there's no she made me, he, he made me, there's no yeah, but, I, but, but daddy was tired. I was having a bad day. You don't understand the stress that I'm dealing with. Being an adult's really hard. That's why I yelled at you. There's none of that. We get to say, I did that. I'm a rebel, broken. But, but because of Jesus, I get to stand before God. I get to run to him. And before I even begin to say the words, he runs to me. He embraces me and he calls me his own. Look, that, that is the gospel that's the liberty that, that we are invited into in Christ. So he, he pursues us, and, and, and we get to repent, and so we get to own things. We get to say, yes, I did that. God, I, I sinned first and foremost against you, and maybe against someone else around me. And we get to make it right, and we get to go to that person and say, gosh, God has invited me to live in such a way. He has loved me and, and he has told me how I ought to live my life. And what I did when I interacted with you was not that. I, I'm sorry. How can I make that right? How can we be reconciled once again? And then when we do those things, we, we commit to live differently. We, we try to figure out how next time we won't fall into the same trap. He, he responds with, with the Father's love. Right? from a, a well that, that never runs dry in Christ. He empowers us to, to live as the new man. This is what the resurrection does for those who are in Christ. Is it, it shows us that the new man can win. 
Because he has one when Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's the life that he invites us to be unified in by the power of the Spirit, that we get to walk in, in newness of life. So moment because Christ lives and because the Spirit dwells in us. Right? Because God is present, He is aware of every sin. And secondly, He is present to comfort. He's present to comfort in, in spirit and in truth. But here's the question. How exactly is God present to comfort? If there's one thing that I know about people is that they are all very, very different. And, and so, in, in human relationships, some say, ah, I'm a, I feel cared for when you do this, when you say these things, when you, when you buy me this, when you show me this, when you come alongside me, when you just sit with me, when you listen to me, when you talk. Everybody's very, very different about the way that they find comfort in this life. Some just need to be alone. Some need to be around people. And so, how is it that God is the God of comfort? How is it that because God is present, He is present to comfort? Well, I think there are several ways. One, it's, it's through truth that comforts us. Right? It's, it's more than a feeling. If you only find your confidence in your rest in Christ's work in your life when you feel Him or when you feel it or when you feel good, man, our feelings are helpful tools, but they also are marred by, by sin's stain on our life. So our feelings can be broken. And so what we get to do is, is through truth that comforts, like, like this, we are not what we do. You are not what you do. Oh, my identity is not my, my activity. What a relief. I, I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone. So my, my to not be puffed up and to, to demand anything of God as if he uh, would look at me and say, oh gosh, Michael, you did it. You, you finally earned my love. And on my worst day, I get to remember that, that I am saved by grace through faith according to this book that points us to Jesus for God's glory and my joy. Right? God is present to comfort through truth that comforts my only hope in life and death is that I am not my own, but that I belong to the Lord. On my very best day and on my very worst day, that is comfort to my soul. What about this? God is, sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm being transformed. Sometimes it, it feels like this world is going to fall in around me. But God, in his time, is making all things new. Jesus came to overcome the world. I mean, when you struggle with things that you can't, that you feel like you can't get out of, this Christ who, who is unified to us by our faith in him, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he came to overcome this world. As we read, he is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The truth that comforts. A, a second way that, that he is present in comfort is, is 
through presence that comforts. Liz read uh, a little bit of Psalm 139. um, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is like a... An uh, in, in, in underworld of, of darkness and death. It's like a trash heap, and it's, it's where the dead go, right? If I make my, my bed in shielding and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I just picked up and, and flew away, and I landed as far as you can see in the sea, and I sink to the bottom. God, your hand is leading me. And, and your hand comforts me. Through his presence. The aim here is, is that God's presence is the source of his comfort. We read in, in Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst. Oh, that's an encouragement. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Like a parent holding their child, singing over them. God is our comfort. He demonstrates his comfort through truth, through his presence, and through people that comfort. We get to be ambassadors of God's comfort. What a sweet thing that he invites us into. God uses us, me and you, broken as we are, to be present with those who hurt, to share life with those who are lonely, to celebrate with the joyful you being you in the very here and now is a gift. And, and the way this is, is like smeared all over the pages of the New Testament is God's church gets to one another. And, and there are, you know, dozens of them and, and, and commands and calls for the church to engage so, so that in all of the fray out there, we get to listen and we get to bear with and we get to pray for. We get to bear the burden of. We get to seek to understand one another, which is a crazy, crazy concept in today's world. That before we shoot anybody because of the one word that we heard them say, we get to breathe and we get to say, gosh, could you help me understand? (laughs) Can, Can you help me understand where you're coming from? Man, we get to do that in comfort? Gosh, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way, can you, can you invite me into the pain that I might bear that with you? Value from the word that you just said. Could you help me understand? Before you punch them in the throat, you get to seek to understand. And I don't know about you, but, but maybe as an aside, gosh, we get to be comfort to those that are around us. And, and I've had this conversation with, you know, uh, a lot of individuals who, who see the culture around us and see that it's polarized and it's so difficult to be over here or over here. And if you step one foot over here, say one thing that doesn't line with, uh, align with this in, encampment over here, then you get lobbed into the other one, but, but you can't fit over there either. And all that's to say that, that this is not 
our home. If you feel that way, and by God, if you're a Christian and you're engaged in anything going on in the world around us, you should feel that way. You should feel like this is, this is a bad feeling. Or, or as I've said many times, you might say it in a, a more subtle way, like people have lost their ever-loving mind. Everyone. And like half of the time you might be like, have I lost my ever-loving mind? So what we get to do, rather than, than hear someone say one thing and, and reshare 12 articles and, and throat punch them, then say, what, what, what was it that you said? And we get to sit, we get to listen, we get to reflect, God search my heart. Where am I at and all this stuff? And then we get to do the craziest thing ever now. We get to bear with, and would it be too much to ask that we could sit down and share a cup of coffee? Not literally share one single cup of coffee. Can't do that. Scratch that from the record. See, and, and some people will hear that and say, there he, see, there he is. He's not even wearing a mask right now. I want to punch him in the face. We don't have to do that. It's okay. I get that, that we're all different. Didn't I, didn't I preface this whole thing by saying we are very different? So we get to be people that, that comfort. And as we do, because God is near, we get to be present with those who need comforted. And the last thing is this. He empowers the mission. And, and, and all this is really tied up into this. One of the greatest gifts that God has given each and every one of of us is this, that you are confined to your body in one place at one time. That is a gift, my friend. You don't have to feel like you have to be stretched or, or pulled or, or caught up in stuff that, that's not here. And now we get to engage in ways that we get to. But you don't have to be overwhelmed to care for and engage with every issue in the whole entire world. But, but you get to be present where you are and bring real gospel-conformed change through your influence. What does that look like? Well, a, a few things. Your sanity needs you to be present. For your own self, you get to say this, I'm, I'm here. Maybe that's a start for some of you. I, I'm here. I'm not all, I'm not, I'm here. And, and here's the thing, and, and God is too. So, so we get to be present. God is omnipresent. You are bound in space and time. Start there. Your family needs you present. Your family needs you to be present in the moment. Your neighborhood needs you present. Your neighbors need you to be present. And I get in this life, it's to and fro and all the things, and it's, it's maybe as we're going in our house, a, a wave, and your neighbors need you to be present. God has sent his people to be his church, to proclaim the good news that establishes and builds his eternal kingdom. We have to be present. Your community, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, it needs you present with a, a missionary's heart of hope to the hopeless. Man, we had a, a conversation. We have a 1010 meeting every week, right? Right here about the stuff that's happening up here. 
And this one started at 10.15 because we were here talking about social media and all kinds of stuff, which is great. I can't wait to have further conversations about that. But, but social media needs you present. And look, what I'm not saying is you have to be there. If you're not there, don't be there. And, and, if, and, and, and if you can't fight the idolatries that, that spin you when you scroll that feed, don't be there. But if you are going to be there, then by God's grace, understand that you have a presence that, that has everything to do with the fact that God is everywhere and you are not. So as we engage, we get to be mindful of these eternal truths, who God is and, and, and who we are not as we have those conversations. The church needs you present. This church, the village church in Hamilton, Ohio, needs you present. Here and now, bearing weight, building the kingdom. The city needs you, pre- needs you present. And, and the mission of God invites us to be us wherever he has us for his glory and for our joy. A guy named Caesar Kalowinski says this, We are not filled with an emotional feeling, a hunch or more zing. We are filled with a person, and that person is, is the Holy Spirit. To try and muster up this new life is not our job. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. We can no more effectively live out our new identity than we can save ourselves from sin and death. God saved us. God transforms us. God empowers our lives for his mission. We can't do this without being present in body and in mind. Because God is always present, we can trust him where we are not and we can be present where we are. And we get to respond to, to, to who God is today. And we can do that in lots of ways. You can sit right where you are and pray. There's a prayer bench over there. I'll be back there by that red tree. There will be a few people over by that red tree that would love to pray with you. And look, we would love to pray with you about anything that, that God is stirring within you. All right? Um, if you don't feel comfortable in any of those outlets, fill out a Connect card and let us know how we can walk with you uh, and, and we can follow up with you. We get to respond today through taking communion and remembering that, that Jesus laid on the cross. He spilt his blood and his body was broken so that we might have eternal life in, in who he is. So we get to take of the cup and the wafer as a reminder and as a declaration of what it is that gives us our life, and that is the life of Jesus. The band can come on up. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your gift. Thank you that that you are everywhere all the time. Would you let us see that that we are not that? And even more so, would you let us see that as a gift? That we are in one place and one time, and that means that everything that we do has, has significance and value as you invite us into eternal works wherever we are. Would you be an encouragement to us as we wrestle with the fact that that you're aware of our sin and you love us anyway? Would you show us what it looks like for you to comfort us through truth in your presence and and one another? And God, would you you show us that we get to be uh, empowered by your spirit who is inside of all who call upon your name for the mission that you have for us? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.